It's that time again, folks. Sparkle and Destroy podcast, episode two. Two. <laughs> We're your hosts, Haley Crusher Kane. And Danielle Mer Crusher Bagnall. And we are here in the fabulous jungle room. It's actually the safari room, but yes, yes. it is very jungly. <laughs> so we are once again in a closet. It's the giant wooden, I think it's Whitco. There's a lot of Whitco furniture in here. But, um, you know, something I found out uh, interesting about this room is, did you know that the word safari means journey in Swahili? I thought it was just a white person made that word up. As far as I know, the interwebs say that it is, it is actually a word in Swahili. Wow. I learn something new every day. Thank you. So we are on a journey. <laughs> yes, um, we are. I am not a fan, however, of the uh, real tiger skin that's draped over one of these beds. It's kind of horrifying. And I'm really surprised that no one's ever stolen this. <sighs> Poor tiger. This tiger has seen a lot of things. Yeah. This tiger went on a safari that didn't end well. No. But we are drinking some delicious cocktails here. Yes, we are. So our, our cocktail uh, extraordinaire mixologist, uh, Shane, he made us two drinks, actually. So his thinking was um, he wanted one alcoholic and one non-alcoholic drink. So the first one um, that we are actually drinking right now is the one with alcohol in it. And it is called The Vacation cocktail vacation all i ever wanted vacation damn this is really great it's pretty tasty yeah (laughs) so um the ingredients are some peeled and chopped fresh ginger there's fresh lime juice simple syrup light rum dark rum mango juice cranberry juice orange juice spiced rum and it is garnished with a mango slice It is absolutely delicious, and if you haven't caught on yet, this is going to be a sort of Go-Go's-centered episode where we talk about firsts, because the Go-Go's are the first all-female band to ever get to number one on the Billboard charts for their album Beauty and the Beat in 1981, which is still a feat that has yet to be replicated by any other band, all-female band to play their own instruments, to write their own songs, all that stuff. So, and by all that stuff, I mean specifically that, (laughs) which is a big deal. It's just a big deal for all, you know, women kind out there. So um, we also just wanted to incorporate a little love for the Go-Go's with this vacation drink, as well as bring a non-alcoholic drink into the mix because some of the gals in the Go-Go's are sober, including our guest, um, our interview guest today, Kathy Valentine, talks a lot about how sobriety helped her life. So that's why we have two drinks tonight. And I'm all for it because I'm not counting calories. It's holiday season. I don't I mean, we're heading into all of the Thanksgivings and Friendsgiving. Yeah, this is a good time to just be like, no alcohol in it, not gonna get drunk. Great. Just gotta go with it. Just go with it. It's dessert. But one thing I thought was funny was when Shane was offering us these um, suggestions for drinks. He said, I tried to offer the sober gals boozy drinks, but they said our lips are sealed. Uh-huh. Cue the laugh track. I actually oh looked God. around as if we, in this closet, as if we had, huh? Huh? like I looked around thinking like, oh, where's the laugh? Or, or is there like a button I can push? But we'll put that in in post. Yes. Yes. So we were so lucky to have a bartender who, and a mixologist who not only 
is passionate about making us cocktails every week. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. But also is very on theme. There's a lot of like text messages happening of like, is this going to work? Is that going to work? And I'm just like, you know what? This is heaven. This and is heaven. This is a text I want to receive. And like, you what, know yeah. he doesn't, uh, we call him a whole asco because he doesn't half-ass anything. That's right. So, I mean, he. I was like, you don't have to make two drinks. He's like, no, I have to. I must. <laughs> I, I said I would and I'm going to. But the um, other, um, not the non-alcoholic drink is called the sparkling almond. Sparkling and destroying almond. Um, and it, the ingredients are orgeat. Um, which is an almond uh, syrup, I think, uh, lemon juice and seltzer with a lemon wheel and mint sprig garnish. So we will share those recipes, the actual recipes, and some photos of those uh, cocktails on the Instagram. Yes. So every week when we – every week. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's exciting. Every time a podcast comes out, you're going to get the recipe. So go head over to Instagram and check it out. Um, we were talking about this episode and, like, what – firsts mean to us and like just to bring in the go-go's factor the go-go's were one of the was basically one of the first bands that i remember being super passionate about and excited about i found my mom's copy of beauty and the beat when i was like seven years old a cd and just like couldn't stop dancing to it singing to it and it really influenced me in my music today and so i think that's really exciting but we also have some other firsts we want to maybe talk about <laughs> because we're going to stretch this theme as like far as we can go like a stretch armstrong so <laughs> i wish i knew the catchphrase from is there a catchphrase for stretch arm stretch armstrong he's super stretchy no that's I crossfire wish, i wish that was real <laughs> all i remember is creepy crawlers Remember Creepy Crawlers? Yes, I do. Creepy Crawlers and oh Crossfire, you'll get caught up in I forgot the... about that. Sorry to bring it back up. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad you did. I'm so happy. So yeah, we have some firsts and Danielle is um, if nothing if not thorough. So we have a couple first questions and I'm excited to hear about some of these for you. Right. Um, we did ask on Instagram um, for suggestions of personal firsts and... <laughs> We got two responses, and they're from people that we know, and they both asked the same thing, which was about um, our first kisses. Yes. Which is horrifying. I actually had, like, a nightmare, like, uh, like I had, like, a panic moment when I, not, not even, I didn't even know about this question. Like, recently I was thinking, am I a horrible, gross person that I don't remember my first kiss? Because I've been reading all these memoirs lately, like the Elvira memoir, and there's just all these memoirs about women um, like in the entertainment industry, actually. And they all talk in detail about their first kiss. That's and it made so me odd. self-conscious, though. I'm like, I don't remember it. But the first kiss I do, like, remember, I guess, I guess your first kiss is the first kiss you remember. Sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, right? I'm that person. I dated three people my whole life. I married two of them. <laughs> and the first kiss guy was my first, was my first boyfriend, the one that I didn't marry. <laughs> right. So like we were talking about this earlier, like you're going to remember that a lot more than I'm going to remember. And I don't, I don't remember it. All I remember is that, um, I think I didn't like it. I think I was like, so I don't like kissing cause it was not pleasant. You're and, like, I'm going to kill myself. And, but he was never a good kisser. So I don't, I think like after that, I was like, wow, kissing doesn't suck. Wow. 
There's so many songs on the radio that, especially as a 16 year old, I'm sure you heard a lot about kissing being cool. Did you feel extremely depressed when you realized kissing sucked? Or you're like, oh, this I is think, kissing. Kissing no, maybe sucks. Maybe not depressed, but like, really? This is this is what it is. I feel like probably teeth clinked. I'm sure the breath situation was pretty deplorable. And I feel like there was a lot of saliva, probably. And I think I was just horrified. Well, when you really think about it, kissing is gross. Yeah, it is, but it's, it's really like, gross. It's a gross thing. With a person that's not gross, I guess it's probably less gross. I don't know. Any guy that's under 35 has a br- has breath that smells like Funyuns. Yeah. I w- Someone explain <laughs> this to me. Breath and everything that smells yeah, like Funyuns. I don't know where or the... Or corn nuts. I don't know where the gland is in the man, <laughs> where the... The, the corn nut, the corn nut and the Funyun smell is secreted. But I feel like every kiss that I had the Funyun note until note. I met my husband was like, well, have you been eating Cheetos? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like MSG. There's some sort of MSG Ugh, or something gross. going on. Right. Okay. I feel like my first kiss was probably something I didn't remember because... You know, little kids like run around and do tackle each other and stuff. I probably kissed a dog. That's probably that probably happened quite a bit. Um, oh, then my first kiss was probably a yeah. cat. But there you go. There's your answer. Oh, I like that better. Cat. Yeah. Most likely. Um, my my wiener dog, um, um, Sammy, um, popularized by the song "Do the Sam, Do the Sam," not Elvis "Do the Clam," <laughs> but "Do the Sam, Do I the like Sam." That. That's sweet. People don't need to know. <laughs> what was your first job? First job, Burger King. Nice. There was a guy who was like my manager and he had something racist tattooed across his knuckles. Oh, not nice. He had to have them sharpied out. So we actually didn't know what it said. Wait, so he sharpied them all the time? Yeah. He had to or else he couldn't work there. Why did you just get a tattoo over him? I don't know. Maybe he was in between. He was working he was at like, Burger King. I'm going to save these racist tattoos for later. In fact, maybe it wasn't racist. Maybe it was just like, fuck you or something. Oh, but we, something for some reason, I believe that they were racist. But maybe I could have just made did that up. Did seem like he was racist? Yes, so he they, did. Maybe they were. It was Atascadero, California. The The year was 2000 and probably one. And I still have my Burger King um, little name tag and everything that I, I tried to put it on my leather jacket, but it like falls off of it. Um, <laughs> I remember being very disillusioned that frame flame broiling was not happening. Oh, is it like a flavor that they put on everything? I mean, I don't want to like spoiler alert you guys. Inside, insider Burger King. I wish it was a sprinkling of something, but no, it's basically a conveyor belt that is just like a lukewarm conveyor belt that goes like into a t- basically like a toaster oven or something. What a lie. Yeah. But I had, Burgers um, full of lies. So if you can imagine this, yes, exactly. Um, I had a shaved head in the back, and then I had the the hair that went forward, like the Chelsea haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to wear a visor. Sweet. So I'm wearing a visor with the shaved head in the back. And um, Are there pictures of this? No. Darn it. Unfortunately. Mm. But I was actually really, really, I was good with the customers, but really bad at remembering how to do things. So um, the, actually, my teammates all cheered I'm saying teammates like I still work there. My Burger King. <laughs> is that what they call them? Teammates? I feel like maybe I just like tapped back into some horrifying place in myself where I, I still want to be there at Burger King teammate. Uh, my Burger <laughs> King team. Where you really belong okay. to something. So they literally cheered because, okay, so for the first like six days or weeks or something, I don't even know how long it was. It felt like a long ass time. I probably only worked there a couple months, but you know how it is back then. You feel like it's a long time. 
Um, they would, so I would get the order, I would give them the change and like do all that with the cash register. And then I would forget to like put the order in with the kitchen. Oh yeah. (laughs) And eventually. That part's important. Right. But it was like, it was like a two prong thing that like I couldn't quite get. You were really good at the first part. The first part. I was fine. I was interfacing really great, but I wasn't. You needed an assistant to help you with the second part. I did. I really did. I needed a monkey. You needed an outsource. Yes. I needed a junior team member. And so the first time I actually like brought, like told them, hey. You know, I mean, I, there's like a little key or something you press to like have the order go into the back computer or whatever. When I finally did it, they all cheered. And I've never been so mortified Aww. for someone cheering. I mean, I'm sure they cheered in complete sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, maybe they had nice intentions, yeah. but probably not. Yeah. And unfortunately, I wasn't smoking weed and I'm not a stoner. So I really have no excuse. You were just so concerned about getting that first part right. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. So. Perfectionist on that part. And yep. then just... I'm all... I was all just... Yeah. I had no substance. You can't remember all of the things. That's true. Thank no. you for enabling me. My incompetence. <laughs> I'm still that same person. Anyways, Danielle, tell me about your first job. Um, my first job was... I was a pirate at Disneyland. So I worked um, at the Pirates of the Caribbean. 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 However you want to say it. Um, ride at Disneyland in 2005, I think. And, um, so if you work for attractions at Disneyland, you rotate through all the positions. So I would load the boats. I would, at the time there were fast passes for that ride. So I would work the fast pass machine and like fix problems and stuff. Um, the scariest part was besides interacting with the public at Disneyland because everyone (laughs) is their jerkiest version of themselves at Disneyland, um, was being up at the tower, and that's where you watch all the cameras as the people are going through the ride, and if something goes wrong, there's these huge binders of stuff that you have to push all these different buttons and things, and, like, um, evacuate people and all this stuff. It was really stressful. (laughs) Like, I liked being part of Disneyland and getting to see, you know, the ride with the lights on and, like, being there when, like, they're hosing off the sidewalks at night and no one's there. That was cool. Um, but uh, I have so many it questions. It was really stressful. Yeah. First of all, this is a much more glamorous job than most fifteen-year-olds oh. probably had, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I went to um, the the school I was going to at the time was um, Cal State Fullerton, and they actually call it Cal State Disney because so many of the people that go to that school work at Disneyland. Mm. I mean, Disneyland's a huge employer, so in that area, it's yeah, pretty yeah. common That's job true. to have. Um, and there are like so many different types of jobs there. But um, did you ever have to press those buttons and save someone's life? I only for like training. I never actually had to do it. So I only I was like a seasonal kind of employee, but I worked there. I want to say maybe like six or seven months. Okay. Not, not a long, long time because I ended up since I was so new, I'd always get scheduled for the really, really late shift. So I'd be leaving really late at night, like way after the park would be closed. And so I was sleeping through my classes <laughs> and missing a lot of school. So it wasn't really working. Disney teammate. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'm glad I did it. It's a cool thing that I can tell people. Yeah. Well, what, what, what are the weird, what are the bad things that could happen? Um, well, people getting out or dropping something into, so, cause it's a water ride. So I always say like, if I would have gotten, you get to, when you, when you apply, at least when I applied, you get to, um, put down, you get to write down your preference for like the type of job, whether you want to do, um, attractions or retail or food service or whatever. And then if you are selected for, um, for attractions, you can put down your preferences of rides to work on and, 
Pirates was my first because I was really, really obsessed with piratical things at that time in my life. It was one of my things. Is that, that a word? Into. Yeah, piratical. Piratical? Yeah. Okay. Piratical. Um, I was really into pirates at that time. I think it was right around the time the movie came out, like the Johnny Depp movie. And so I was like super into pirates. Wait, how much, how into pirates? Give Have me- we not talked about this before? Not I really. I wore stripey socks every day of my, like my early 20s okay yeah can you tell me more um i don't know i just had i had a ton of like pirate flags in my room and like i read all the pirate like history books another so you're really into aquatic things but you don't swim and you don't love the beach that much no i'm i'm it's really funny no i love the beach i love the beach i just don't want to go in the ocean Mm. no the beach is like my favorite place I love the beach, but I'm a skeered. I'm a skeered of the ocean because right. I can't really swim very well. I'm a land mermaid, right. not an ocean mermaid. But you were also a land pirate. Yes, I was. That's what I'm saying. It's so, funny. <laughs> but if you so oh to to go back to your question. Yeah. Oh oh before before I get to that I was gonna say if I would if I would have worked for the haunted mansion or at the haunted mansion I think I would have worked there a really long time because it's not a water ride. You don't have to smile at people. You can actually like frown at people and freak them out and stuff which sounds a lot more fun than trying to pretend that you're super happy that people are yelling at you and right jerky but um so if people get out like there was a story i didn't see it but there was a story about this lady that dropped her cell phone in the water um like right at the beginning of the ride she got out of the boat to get it which is uh, really dangerous like who's really gonna dive into that really sludge? disgusting it's really gross yeah. like it's really old nasty i had water. A, a vintage car a 68 oldsmobile that smelled exactly like the pirates of the caribbean ride and i think it's because of mildew oh probably yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's because of mildew or some sort of exotic mold that also grows in the ride, but <laughs> yeah, the, the everyone knows that water. smell, you know, you, if you know the smell. Yeah. I mean, that comes from literal, like what, what is in that water? Um, Baby poop? No, no, Rat no, but poop. I have seen like people where they're on the ride and like a dad will reach down and, you know, get, put his hand on the water and like flick it at his kids. And I'm like, that is disgusting. <laughs> You're going to give them some sort of horrible disease with that. Yeah. That sounds like a dad. No, like a dad. Yeah. So yeah. if if the ride were to break down or something like intense would happen to it, you actually have to get into the water um, with like the gators, like the weight, the things you wade into, like for fishing and stuff, and push the boat to where you could get people out because there's not always a place to get out. Yeah. Sometimes it's right into the water. Wow. So I, I it's never like had you to were, do it. It's but... like you were like a lifeguard on Baywatch, and you were just like terrified that someone was gonna drown yeah please don't drown please don't drown <laughs> it was mostly just telling people not to take flash pictures which was kind of cool okay because your voice but that's when you like... realized you had anxiety because you were worried about all the shit that could happen oh, but yeah. never did oh yeah but never did but that's pretty pretty big deal though there's a lot of people on that right at one time yeah i mean you would have lives you, you could have had to be, yeah you could have had to save lives let's do some quick fire first okay. like like we have to actually be yeah, quick yeah, yeah. let's do it let's do a okay. quick fire uh first cd like or album whatever. first album ever that you bought yourself or that you like remember getting bought myself i believe it was the titanic i, I think it was the I titanic soundtrack i, I think i was it. nine years old at the time that's why we're friends yeah that's right my heart will go on yeah oh, that's so much um and I, I it was either it was that spice girls or tragic kingdom yeah yeah my yeah my first one that I remember asking for and getting, I think, was Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. And then I'm pretty sure that I bought 
um, with my own money, my like good grades money, because I didn't have like an allowance. Um, I bought Spice Girls, the first Spice Girls album and Tragic Kingdom on the same day. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I still own both of those. I've gotten rid of lots of CDs. I have to show you my Spice Girls picture disc and cassettes I just got from the like reissue. Like, so cool. I want to say, is it 25 in or? 20th anniversary 25th anniversary Ooh, it's probably more than that. it was 90 98 yeah 98 and what are we at 2008 2018 <laughs> what year is it guys oh my gosh can you imagine I literally if just... were 2018 right now we have no idea what's about to happen i know um no that's great yeah so um yeah 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 our generation is considered the Spice Girl generation. I've heard. I, I read that somewhere i need to I embrace it i, I need I to find like the source but we're people make yeah. fun but they're Aging millennials are the Spice Girls generation. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Quick fire. Give me one. Um, do you do you? This is probably not a good one for you. Just do it. First movie you ever saw in a theater. (laughs) Why do I only think of Titanic? I know that's not it, but (laughs) it's the first movie that like made me realize a Disney movie or something. I mean, that's the first movie made me realize I wanted someone to draw me naked, and that's kind of important while wearing a beautiful piece of yes. expensive jewelry. Yes, and it's the it's the movie I realized that um, I was in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. The first I think the first Teen magazine that I ever bought that was another one I was going to say. I bought a, an issue of Twist magazine with Fiona Apple on the cover. Oh, she's amazing. I still have that cover of that oh magazine, just the cover, wow, not the whole thing. But there was like a little corner I think wow. of Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was like, ooh, two of my favorite people, Alanis Morissette and Fiona Apple. Like, you are an angsty bitch. Like, that's angsty for sure. Those are, like, my... I've never... I don't think I've ever done any karaoke of them, but if I... Whenever we go back to a world where karaoke is a thing again, I would definitely choose them. I still sing Fiona Apple in the shower. I love love her. (laughs) I love her so much. I may have revealed too much. (laughs) Why? No, that's great. Um, First pet? First pet. Mice. They're feeder mice that were supposed to go to snakes. <gasps> I did. I had the same thing. I had two feeder you know, mice. I, it was um, Weenie, Miss Piggy, and there was another one named Sherbert, I think. <laughs> I love that name. Oh my and when they died, we had to put them in paper. And my dad. Well, here's the thing. I, I want to ask you about this. I thought it was cute, too. But I look back now and I'm like, oh, this is a gift or this is a, a pet that you give a child that you don't really want to get a dog or a cat. So I wanted like, them so Oh, you bad. did. I, feel I like, was like, mom, I want mice. I feel like they were like, here, have some crickets, like have no, some mealworms. I, I wanted it. I think I had to pr- probably prove that I was responsible enough to take care of them or something. I don't know. But I really, really wanted mice. Weird. And I think I probably also wanted those specific mice because I was like, otherwise the snake's going to eat them. Right. So right. That, that, that checks out for you. Jaw. That checks out for you. I don't think they were my first pets, though. I, I feel like I had a goldfish. Frida, I think. Frida? Frida and Freddy. We had two two goldfish. My parents already had a cat when I was born. But nothing I don't, like I don't fish consider to, that my Nothing like pet. fish to teach you about death. Also mice, which actually fit really snugly inside a toilet paper roll. Like the, the spent toilet paper <laughs> roll. That's how we had funerals for them. We would just put them in there. That's and, really sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mice lived a really long time, I feel like. I well, don't know why. But... You probably weren't taping uh, paper doll clothes onto them. Like I, I was. No. I was definitely I was definitely getting hard on some paper dolls. <laughs> <laughs> and the the dolls weren't cutting it anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of a sociopath, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Quick, um quick. car. 
Um, 87 Nissan Maxima. It talked. It was sort of like a robotic voice. It had plush. Like Knight Rider? Yes. Except I'm too young for that reference. Um, <laughs> Me and, too, but I know of it. And it had power everything. And it was like a weird yellowy cream color. And my friend Lindsay gave me all these amazing punk like compilation cassettes because I had a cassette player that were taken from her big sister. And I realized really quickly that the sun will melt them. And oh, I've no. never forgiven myself for melting her big sister's punk cassettes that were like lovingly dubbed in oh, no. the early 80s, like original, beautiful, you know, mix cassettes and... um I don't know. I have a lot of guilt about that, I guess. But I remember like going down the road with like my cassette. I had like a Generation X, like Billy Idol cassette. And like I just had a bunch of really random because, you know, you go to the thrift store and you just get random cassettes, too. Mm -hmm. So I had like really random cassettes and I have really fond memories about that. But also a lot of guilt. Yeah, you carry it with you. I absolve. But but now you're probably really good at taking care of, I am. of uh, and audio vinyl. materials. And vinyl too. Yeah, don't leave that shit in your car. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't leave anything in your car. <laughs> right. Um, my first car was um, a dark gray um, Lancer. What uh, What kind of? I don't even remember what kind. Of, it's, a, it's called a Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi Lancer. It was my mom's car, and then she got a new car, and I got that car. And I named it Mortward after (laughs) Edward, um, I think Edward Scissorhands, and then uh, this character um, in this other Johnny Depp movie at the time I liked Johnny Depp uh, named Mort, so it was Mortward. And I had that car up until a couple of years ago, so I've only ever had two cars. Really? Yep. Not surprised. I drove that thing for like 12 years, I think. I'm not surprised. And then it finally was just like done. You don't throw anything away. Plus, I, I didn't used to drive a lot until I started like commuting. Um, before I before I moved to schools, I was commuting like uh, f- an hour every day. I crashed all my cars <laughs> beyond recognition because <laughs> I was learning to drive in um, Southern California um, South Bay specifically, but like, I go fast. I go learned, fast. well, I learned a lot of things like, you know, yellow means speed. Yellow doesn't mean yield. It means speed up and turn left as quickly as you fucking can. <laughs> and red means keep turning. And like all the colors mean go every, every color means look out for yourself. And yeah, I, I definitely smashed all my cars. So yeah, I think that really exemplifies us together let's okay so <laughs> that was fun. we've talked about a lot of firsts i think we should take a break to roll into my interview with kathy valentine um of the go-go's first all-female band to play their own instruments write their own songs to reach number one on the billboard charts like let's roll into that and let's talk to kathy valentine Kathy Valentine needs no introduction, but I will give you one anyways. She is an American musician and songwriter who is the bassist for the pop-punk band The Go-Go's. She has maintained a career in music through songwriting, recording, performing, and touring, as well as additional academic and creative pursuits. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in October 2021. Just so you know, in this interview, I do reference that I'm writing the article for Bust Online, which is where the written interview is. And also I mention her memoir, All I Ever Wanted. So when we talk about her book, we're talking about her amazing memoir. It's called All I Ever Wanted. And I expect you guys to check it out. I'm, I've always been a working musician, 
from the time I started playing. And when the Go-Go's uh, stopped touring or whatever, I was still going out. I was still doing things musically after, after we broke up. I put band after band together. I've always been someone that's in a band or playing in a band or doing something musically. So when that's what your life is centered around, you know, it, it follows that I'm going to meet a lot of musicians and hang out with a lot of musicians. So that's how maybe people knew me or connected with me. It's obviously evident that you've been a pretty down to earth and friendly person throughout many of these music scenes. One thing in the book that I found really interesting was you bring up that men, you had issues with men, obviously growing up in your childhood was quite tumultuous, but the men in the music scenes that you were part of were supportive someone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lovely narrative. It's something we don't hear a lot of. And writing for, you know, a magazine like Bust, where it's very much a feminist slant, and there can be a lot of this, men are over here, women over there. I really enjoyed that part of your book. And I think that's a story I want more girls to know about. Yeah, I think so too. When I saw that, I saw it, it's not anything I'd ever thought about until I wrote the book. And I'm very good at seeing patterns. Uh, it's just one of, I think some people just patterns jump out at them. And as I was writing my book, I started seeing a pattern that men had been supportive in the arts. And as soon as I spotted the pattern, I thought it was worth kind of mentioning and commenting on because I agree with you. It's, it's, we always hear about, you know, the, the sexism or this and that, or, or not being encouraged. Or you get the idea of the girl walking into the guitar center and all the the kind of guys just kind of shredding away and being dismissive of the girl that walks in. You, you hear these stories or the girl walking into the club and everyone thinking she's with the band instead of in the band. So we hear a lot of that and I wanted to offer a little balance and say that in my experience and to several other musicians, women that I've talked to, that I think when you're when you are sincere and authentic in your passion for music, I think other like finds like, like recognizes like, and whether it's a guy or a girl, they're gonna they're gonna recognize a sincere and authentic drive and passion. Yes, it's a fresh perspective and something that I hope will be a continuing narrative. And I know that there are men out there that are extremely supportive. And the press, just to speak to the press. The press on the Go-Go's now versus the press then is so different. I don't know if that is interesting to you at all or if you want to comment on that, but you guys have experienced obviously several waves over the decades of re-interest re and, and fresh resurgence of, of fans to you. Um, I just imagine, you know, it might be a little interesting to think about how the press is talking about these talented women now versus how they may have done back in the day. And is there a sense of vindication now that, um, you know, you're kind of getting that rightful due or is that me just kind of putting a lot of assumptions on how you feel? Well, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like people are very like sheep, you know, when, when it, when one, when the tide seems to be like, on your side everyone's there and when when the tie it's just like so i think once we got uh, nominated for the rock hall i think once the documentary came out and you know people wrote like oh this is a real band that came from the the streets uh, just you know started they're self-made 
I think once that became the narrative, rather than aren't they cute and bubbly and aren't they aren't they uh, the girl next door? You know, it's just like people pick up a narrative and they run with it. And it's in a way, it's always all uh, singularly dimensional. It's you know, I really am excited when I see something that picks up on all the you know all the elements because we are fun. You know, it is a fun band. It is. It's not like we're really heavy and, you know, diving into deep, dark themes or, you know, super, we're not, we're not like a, so there is that element, but it's also, there's so much else there and the, the hard work and the, the songs themselves. I still don't think the music gets talked about that much. I mean, there's not that many bands who's wrote a handful of songs you know, we have a handful of hits that are still uh, just as enjoyable and easy to hear and don't sound dated and resonate with young people today as they did 40 years ago. And I think that's really remarkable. I don't know if, you know, young people would hear other songs from 40 years ago and go, oh, I really like that. I want to get up and dance or I want to. Or I, or I want to sing along, or this makes me feel happy, or whatever, or this inspires me. Yeah, um, you know, Suzy Quattro was your big, huge, mind-bending break, right, when you saw Suzy Quattro. For me, it was um, listening to my mom's copy of Beauty and the Beat, which I found in her in the living room um, around 1994 or 5, dancing oh, wow. with my hairbrush, and now I'm a guitarist in a band, and you have absolutely inspired me, and so many women. And uh, <laughs> so I want you to know that. that um, I want you to know that uh, from my heart, it really is amazing to to see you guys put on this this pedestal that I think you know you you deserve not just for the legacy that you've given women, but also the musical legacy. Like you said, the songs are still fresh, the hooks mm -hmm. are still delicious, right? I mean, yeah. there's not much like that. But I wanted to get back to my my next question, which was: I know you talk a lot about your or you talk about you know your daughter in the beginning of your book a little bit. And I know, I think your daughter's off to college right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you've answered this question a million times, but what does your daughter think of the book? And what a wild view into your mom's, you know, mind and, and life and, and journey. Like, how did that all kind of play out with you and your daughter? Well, we, through her whole life, I've very much been her mom, you know, and as she got older uh, and needing less parenting and more just kind of like support and advice or whatever, you know, uh, I think our relationship changed to the point where she, I think if she'd been 13 and read the book, it would have been really difficult because that's an age where you're just worried about what everybody thinks and this and that. But by the time it came out, she, um, you know, she was, she was cool with it. Uh, she didn't read it right away. She actually just read it recently. And she's, she thought I was a really good writer. Uh, the, the stuff that was hardest for her was the stuff that, you know, she considers her grandmother is my mother. And so she, I think that was the heart more than what I did or my mistakes or abortion or, uh, promiscuity or drugs, none of that bothered her. I think what bothered her is that her grandmother was my mother and 
she saw she was she's very intelligent and she saw the differencing in parenting that her mom got that she, than what she got. Absolutely. I went from being so mad at your mom to wanting to raid her wardrobe and thinking <laughs> she'd be so fun to hang out with. You know, it was it's the first part of your book is I mean, I'm sure that you might have a movie option out there somewhere, but it's, you know, you are an incredible writer and you go so deep and a lot of the issues you bring up are issues that many women face. So I appreciate how, how much candor you, you know, injected into that and that you weren't afraid to shy away. You didn't shy away from some of the most um, prickly topics. So I'm sure that your daughter's proud of you for that. Um, yeah, she is. And, and it was important to me, like a lot of the book, you know, it, for me, it wasn't about telling the go-go story. A lot of, a lot of Go-Go's fans, uh, I would hear or, or just kind of pick up little things like, oh, she didn't talk about this or this or that. And I, I was never, I never set out to tell the Go-Go story. That, that's not my entire story. It was my story and my memoir. And a big part of it was processing my relationship with my mom. And, uh, and I, I was really, I wanted to be honest, but I didn't want to demonize her because I love my mom. I mean, we st she comes over and watches, you know, the British shows with me, and we hang out. And at the on on one hand, I I do have resentment because she didn't really um, take care of business. Like she didn't think about so a lot. It's my she's my responsibility, and that can cause some resentment. But writing the book, I also was able to see very clearly that she did some wonderful things and she really supported my dreams. Um, and she also did the best she could, you know, she, right. she considering her nature, I think what she was able to do, which was, you know, work enough to keep us in a home and, and keep food on the table and whatnot. I think, that that was kind of against her nature and it was a monumental effort to do that and i think also the thing i'm most grateful for is how she consistently and constantly emphasized intellect over looks yes you know and she never depended on a man in her life so i've kind of grown up and been all through my adult life if i have a boyfriend great if i'm married great but if i don't i don't feel that over over uh driving need that i see in so many women to be in a relationship you know I'm very comfortable being on my own it's almost like she sing she kind of prepared you for rock stardom maybe not for yeah. adulthood like yeah that's hi. so funny but it is it's like she's I'll tell, I'll tell her that she'll like hearing that she cringes a lot when she hears some things people say it makes her like oh hey, I, I mean, mean, still like she hearing that she kind of puts you through the boot camp for for rock stardom um, I don't know if you want to speak on this at all, but you're one of the awesome, you know, rock stars out there who's continually, you know, playing music out there, doing your thing, and also is sober, like, you know, Iggy Pop or one of these greats. And uh, I think that's fantastic. And I just wonder if you want to uh, talk about your sobriety as, you know, kind of part of your journey, especially in contrast, you know, with this book that everyone's been talking about and how much sex, drugs, and rock and roll are in that book. Obviously, your life is probably a little different. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well. I, I view sobriety as as the foundation for everything good in my life from talking to you today to my book to my daughter to my home 
to my standing in the Go-Go's to me being able to get fired from the Go-Go's and then asked back and be able to do that with grace and dignity. Uh, that's all because of sobriety, you know? Yeah. So it gave me the tools to deal with life and, and appreciate the blessings of life, but also deal with the, the difficult things and, and people that are, you know, can be, you know, hurtful and betrayals and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's sobriety gives me, I mean, that's what life is. And I think if I'd been using and drinking any number of things, not only would I not have them, but they probably would have sent me over the edge. But I had a basic tool set and sobriety <clears throat> that helps me deal with everything and hopefully the future bad things that are going to happen. Because let's face it, you know, life is a mixture and there's, you know, every day that something terrible or tragic doesn't happen. I'm like, thank God, thank God I got there today and the people I love are alive and, and whatnot. So that's incredible. Um, as you prepare for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, situation, performance, all that, what's the dynamic like between you and the ladies these days? I'm sure it's a little different, you know, changes over the years, but what's the dynamic? What's the vibe? And how is everybody feeling about this, you know, incredible news? Everybody's really excited. Um, lately, the, a lot of the calls and interactions have been about who's wearing what and what are you wearing and this and that. So a lot of that, we're still, you know, we're still girls at heart in some ways and still little punk rock girls at heart. But um, there's also, it's really hard in some other ways. Luckily the, the documentary was very healing for some old grudges and old resentments that really helped with, you know, we had just, it's just like any relationship, you know, sometimes, as you're splitting up with someone you'll find out or as you've been with someone a long time you'll find out that something you said you know maybe to your sister or maybe something your dad said or your boyfriend or your partner said like 10 years ago it's just been kind of eating at you we had a lot of that there's five of us there's five people five interactions five dynamics and a long and decades of being together so we had many times of someone inadvertently hurting someone or, you know, there was a lot of, of uh, that and it kind of never was addressed and it manifested into dysfunction, which is what that happens in any relationship. It's not just bands, but uh, the documentary was really healing. Um, me coming back in the band was really healing. Um, so that's been really good. But having said that, the difficult thing is we're all very different people. We, we have very different tastes. Uh, very different taste in and what's what all everything basically and um so it can be hard arriving at consensus anything from like a t-shirt design for merch yeah you know to a set list to you know it, it can be hard and you know luckily with for me personally with with maturity i have learned like okay i'm not getting my way that's okay you know and i still think i'm right but that doesn't mean it has to be that way it does, even though i think i'm right and everyone should listen to me and it should go my way i don't have to push or force that and i can it's it's like it's not that big of a fucking deal you know <laughs> i can play the song that i don't want to play or i can do things in the order that i don't think is as good as the order you know what i mean so god bless you god bless you <laughs> you need some bandmates that give a 
little bit. Um, yeah. I had a goofy question, which was, what's each go-go's superpower in your opinion? And that means that your superpower is you can bite your tongue and just get on with it, I guess. Um, uh, but speaking of um, like the dynamic and everything, what when, and I'm sure you've answered this before, but um, when, when you guys found out you won, like who, or not won, but you were getting inducted, who like got the call? Like what happened? Were you on a text chain? I'm just curious. Uh, when we found out that we were nominated, our our manager told us all in an email, and we were all excited and, and called each other. And we also knew the night before that we would, we knew, we knew the night before they made the announcement because they said we were told to get up at, like for me, I had to get up at five in the morning and be ready to do press on the oh. East Coast. So I knew the night before and yeah it was we all you know acknowledged with each other in different ways you know a text a facetime a phone call we didn't we weren't all together it wasn't a group thing okay um in, in the in the movie version you'd all be hanging around the telephones you know screaming like little girls <laughs> yeah except we live all over the world right of course of course um i wanted to ask you also about um the live shows you guys have been doing you have a lot of live shows coming up they're big concerts they're big freaking venues how does it what does it feel like to be on stage now with the go-go's and looking towards those tour dates that hopefully hopefully will not get canceled hopefully please yeah <laughs> um you know what is that feeling like and and does this um does this win kind of change anything i mean are you guys all just still go-go's at heart and just kind of all the old things kind of come back or are you in a different place now as a band when you're in a live performance well, it's very different for me because like like I said before, I'm always playing other than COVID is the longest I've not played. Um, so for me personally, I am just feel really grateful and blessed because, you know, to be able, it's as a musician to be able to walk, run on stage and have a, a big crowd that is like thrilled to see you and knows your songs and knows the words to your songs and, maybe they've brought their kids for the first time it's just it's really exciting and fun so it's not not every musician gets to experience that and i know it because i play in bands a lot of times where i go and there's 40 people in the club and you have to win them over you know and they don't know your songs and right. then you have to go to the merch table and sell your cds afterwards and you're excited if you sell 100 cds so um I, I I do both sides of it, and it's it's I enjoy both. I enjoy both, but it's it's really fun to get to do that in the Go Go's. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I just really appreciate it. And and when it, but when it comes down to the actual playing, you know, it's always it's been the same for me. I I'm very much in the moment when I'm playing, and and uh, it's just nice to see people happy and 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 them in their moment enjoying what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, oh my goodness. Um, so just to kind of wrap this up and also to kind of bring it back a little to the compilation too, I think one of the great things about this tribute compilation to the Go-Go's, which again, you do not have any powers over it, <laughs> but you are you know, attached to it. And I know the, the Go-Go's have sanctioned it, which is so great. I think everyone who's involved in the compilation is just very excited to be celebrating you guys at this perfect time to be celebrating the Go-Go's. This is the time to do it. Um, 
And these are women that are younger and older and from the eighties and from now and from Japan all over the world. What advice, um, you know, do you have small pieces of advice that you would give, you know, any, any woman who's picking up a guitar, bass, drum, drumstick, like, you know, do you, do you give advice when you're at these shows? Do people are, are they clamoring at you constantly or do you just give them a copy of your book and just say, you know, try to get on with it? (laughs) When I, at what shows? Um, like when you're when you're playing shows with your bands, you know. Do, do I don't give advice at shows. No, I don't. No. I don't do that. They don't come up to you and say, "Hey, you know, you're awesome." What? what no do one do? is ever at a show, but people have asked me in interviews and. Sure. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I I I think um, I think for me, the thing I learned that I would pass on is that I had a very single-minded focus which was to be in a cool band to make it and be in a band that was it and maybe that single-minded focus had something to do with my success you know maybe it did but looking back i feel like i also limited myself in many ways by just like i i feel like other opportunities i didn't really look at especially after finding some success i think you know like nowadays you see people branching out it's like if you open a store and it succeeds sometimes it's smart to go open another one in another city you know like you grow and you branch out and i feel like i didn't do that until my 60s you know i'm 60 and i'm branched out now and i'm being kathy valentine rather than you know the the guitar player in this band or the bass player in the go-go's or or that i've always just kind of wanted to be a part of something and i think i wish that i you know it took me till writing my book and even when i made so my solo record it wasn't because i wanted to be a solo star it's because i was just kind of doing it because i had a new pro Tools set up and i was pregnant so it was like it was kind of something to do, but I could have grown from that. I could have done more records. I, there's there's things I wish I, I do have regrets. I wish I had um, just kind of branched out more because I'm doing it now and it feels really, really good. It feels really good to go do a book event, to play some songs, to put out my own singles, to do public speaking. To I like it. I like just being Kathy without being protected in that band band bubble so i think what i would my just to make all that long thing into a shorter sound bite is just like you know it's really important to have a single-minded focus and, and and stuff to to like kind of getting somewhere but once you get there i think it's really smart to start branching out. I mean, like even Rihanna, you know, she barely tours anymore. She's like got clothing line and stuff because everything has a shelf life. Everything ends, you know, and if the Go-Go's had ended and had never done anything else, you know, like I've been able to rely on the Go-Go's for many, many years to, you know, we go do five shows or we do this and it's something coming in. But if that wasn't happening, you know i didn't like i didn't create a lot of opportunities for myself to you know be me in the world so and i would like women that do i because i know there's a lot of women and they get in a band and then maybe they get pregnant and then all of a sudden that takes all their focus so and they lose that dream so i I just i just want to make sure that women pursue what their passion is but also have a, a view as to like 
everything changes, everything ends, and you want to be able to plug in to other things as well. I think that's great advice. And I think you are experiencing kind of a Kathy Renaissance right now. I think people are seeing you um, as you are, you know, this multifaceted person doing all these different things. I mean, I certainly have just, I mean, your book really just made me think, oh God, I want her to write another book. Yeah, <laughs> or I want to do that. And I just, I just wish I'd done it sooner. I mean, I'm 62 yeah. and I've got, you know, I've got some time, obviously, uh, you know, mm -hmm. God willing, but, but I just wonder what I might have done, you know, if I had, and a lot of it was fear. A lot of it was fear because I was very safe in a band context. You know, nobody right. was looking at me saying, oh, she can't sing or, oh, she's doesn't write hit songs or, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't exposed to being hurt. And, uh, and I think I was, I liked that. I liked that protective feeling, that bubble, that bubble of yeah. band around me. And yeah. now it's like, I don't care. I don't care if someone thinks I can't sing and I don't care if someone thinks my book is shitty and I don't care if someone doesn't like my version of a go-go song. I don't care. <laughs> I like it, you know? That attitude, I love it. I mean, you have, you're just getting started. I wouldn't, you're just getting started. And the other advice I would say is, the sooner you can get to a point where you, I mean, anybody that creates, anybody that creates wants an audience, you know, that uh, they want it, that there's, but you don't always get it. And the sooner you realize that you're not, you can put so much work in. I mean, I, I was so proud of the soundtrack to my book. I put so much effort. It's one of the best creative, best played, best executed, best produced things I've ever done in my life. And it doesn't get much notice. And yet I am so proud of it that it it's it's like I'm so it's nice to be at that point where you do things and you can still feel really good about it even though people don't validate it. So the sooner you can get there the better because there's gonna be a lot of that too. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, for anyone who's creative. Do you recommend listening to that while you read the book, the, the soundtrack? Well, if you get the audio book, it's, it's integrated into the book. Yeah, people love the audio book, and a lot of people do both. Um, so it's a, it's a really different experience because I'm reading the book, and it's interspersed not only with the soundtrack, but there's underlying um, uh, music, too, like when it – when I talk, when I'm talking about starting my first band, I found a cassette oh, yeah. from my very third band's rehearsal, and underneath me talking, you can hear my my first band rehearsing, or you can. There's just like little, little when I talk about learning how to play like like Chuck Berry, you have yeah. me doing <laughs> that underneath it. So it's not only is it the soundtrack that I created to go alongside the chapters, but there's like some underscoring as well. So it was tons wow. of fun and people like it a lot. Wow, Gina, Gina's gonna have to up her game then for her book coming out. Yeah, I'm excited to see Gina's book. I, I talked yeah. to, I talked, we have, we share the same publicist and the publicist was telling me that it's just beautiful. And and I've been working with, I've been talking to Gina a lot and we're, we're actually gonna do, you know, as many events together as we can. Great. Where I can like, I can like sell, cause my book's a different sort of book, you know, they're very different. Hers is a great 
like Christmas gift book because it's beautiful and it's you know it's it's something that I think I think it's going to do really well. I'm going to plug that. And speaking of that, you said you have many branches going on. I don't want to miss anything. Um, what else do you have going on that we can plug and or you know I should be looking at? Um, what's got, what do you have going on? My last uh, music thing was uh, I did a remake of We Don't Get Along with uh, Rhett Miller singing as a duet. Awesome. And I love that. It's on uh, Spotify and all the digit band camp, which is my favorite, and all the digital outlets. And after, before that, I did Beneath the Blue Sky. So I've kind of been revisiting some of my go songs that the Go-Go's did and kind of doing them my way. You know, awesome. doing them Kathy Valentine's way. Cool. So I've I've enjoyed that. I don't want to just focus on that, but it kept me busy and it was fun. Um, and pretty much, let me see. I've been uh, talking. I'm I'm probably going to do another She Factory event, which is a, a nonprofit that I started, and we stopped before we our last event was in 2019, so pandemic. And I also lost the venue that I was holding the events in, but there it's, it's really cool. So that's called She Factory and it. It's a Austin based charity that combines women, women, creative women in the arts, creatives with women owned businesses that raise money for a woman centered charity. So I'm, I've been talking to someone about doing a big 2022 event. So there's not much you can really hype with that, but, um, we can link Maybe to the, the my book though. is in paperback and that I am still doing, I'm still promoting my book. You know, I'm still, I, I did my first uh, in-person book event in Woodstock uh, earlier this month. Congrats. It was really successful. When I do my book events, I don't just read from a chapter. I mean, I just talk, uh, I take questions, I engage, I play songs. Um, and so I'll be doing more of those and, and doing stuff with Gina as well. So that's all I really have to plug right now. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm going to do a second memoir, but that is not going to be my second book. The, the, the second book will be a collection of literary short stories with a soundtrack because I really, I enjoyed that intersection of making music inspired by the prose of a story. I really like that. And I don't think everyone's doing that. In fact, I don't know anybody that's doing it. So it's something that I want to keep doing. And maybe um, I might go get my master's degree so that I can start offering and maybe a few years, a college class that um, the intersection of storytelling with creative writing and music. I cannot wait to see what you do next. Congratulations. Say hi to your mom. <laughs> for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, well, well, thanks so much. I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed talking to you too. I appreciate your time. Okay, and good luck with your music and, and your writing. Thank you so much. It means a lot. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Well, that was an interesting interview. I loved it. We definitely just listened to the whole thing together <laughs> right now. Um, but I'm so glad that we have our delicious non-alcoholic beverages to toast to Kathy Valentine's um, and the Go-Go's big first and their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame win. Clean. Cheers. Drinking our delicious sparkling almond, or as Danielle was saying. Sparkle and distramond. Yes, the sparkle <laughs> and distramond. And um, it is quite delicious. 
Okay, so we um, were talking about uh, firsts. firsts for ourselves, and of course, we have that wonderful interview, and I just wanted to talk about some other um, firsts for women um, that I, things I've been reading about lately, and people that I admire, and so um, one of those, one of my favorite people right now is Amber Ruffin, so she's a comedian and an actress. She um, was the... Well, she she was a writer for the Seth Meyers Late Show. I can't remember what it's called. I'm terrible, but um, Seth Meyers. Just call it the Seth the Seth Meyers. I think it's called Late Night. Late Night with Seth Meyers. There you go. I think it's called. But she um, was the first black woman to write for a late night major network show in 2014. That happened. Wow. That had never happened before. Wow. So it took till 2014. But she is a delight. So she actually segued from. She's still um, writing for Seth. Myers, she has a few segments on his show, and I think that's kind of how the public was kind of exposed to her brilliance and amazingness. And I love her; she is, and she's the one so that wears awesome. the cool suits. Yeah, she wears yeah. really cool suits on her show, and she wears really cool ties. Yeah, and her hair is always like super. super when Danielle cute. brings her up, I'm like, she's the only one with the cool suits, oh, right? I love her so. <laughs> she much. is funny though, yeah, for sure. But um, so she has her own show now. She, they just started their second season, and it's called um. Oh my god, did I just forget the name of it? It's just, just called the Amber Ruffin Show. Oh my gosh, I'm blinking out. But I'm just getting really excited about Amber Ruffin. That's what it is. <laughs> but she also um, released a book this year. She wrote a book with her sister Lacey uh, Lamar, and it's called You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy, Crazy Stories About Racism. And I read that earlier this year and also listened to the audiobook. And so it's just stories that her sister Lacey, who works um, in the medical field, um, kind of in like uh, nursing homes and that kind of thing. Um, all these stories that she had just written down about ridiculous racist stuff that had been said to her or done to her. And she had like basically a whole catalog of all of this just for like HR purposes. And also I think to be able to say like this really happened. So they're funny stories because it's both <laughs> of them. So I would recommend the book and the audio book. Like you have to... You, I would say get the book, read the book so that you can see the pictures that are in there. So the first story, and it's not spoiling anything because it's the very first story, but it's basically about how Lacey is at um, some store and she's writing a check and the person at the, like, checking her out is like, oh, wow, you, you, I didn't know you could get your, your own face on checks. And it oh, was actually no. Lacey had um, black history checks and it was Harriet Tubman. Oh, she looks nothing like Harriet Tubman. She's like this on the level of like young, yeah, like cute. On the level of like like that versus telling someone they're pregnant. What's worse? I think that's worse. Oh, that's way worse. That's definitely worse. Way worse. But that was like a tame one. Like it's mostly funny. There's some like intense stories too, but there's always some humor in in it. And it's just super funny because Amber's in there too, just kind of giving commentary. And any interview you can watch with them, I, I recommend it because they're really fun to watch together. I'll but check I that love out. her show. It's probably my favorite show that's on right now. She doesn't, ha- it's not like a regular late night show in that she doesn't have like celebrity guests or anything. It's a lot of sketches because she comes from an improv background. So it's her, and then her like kind of sidekick is Tarek Davis, who. Um, they did improv together for years, so they're, like, really in sync, and they do, like, amazing comedy sketches together and just really funny stuff, and she's adorable, and she sings songs, like, every episode, there's a whole song and dance that she writes. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how she does it, because she also works on Seth Meyers' show, too. Wow. 
And so it's once a week. And okay, it's, on that's Pe- a, it's on Peacock, but you great. can watch most of it on YouTube. Not that's a great recommendation. I love it. I, she's like my favorite person. So there's her. Um, another one I was just going to talk about really quickly, um, Josephine Baker. Um, she was the first black woman to star in a motion picture in 1927, a silent film called I, Siren of the Tropics. They did a movie about her in the 90s, right? I don't know because I actually don't think there's ever been a biopic at least not a major studio one about her but she has she had a really interesting life she was mainly a dancer entertainer um in the 20s she moved to france she moved to paris um you know because of all the racism she was facing and you know the u.s she could perform places that she couldn't actually sit down and be a patron of. so she moved um to france and got really famous there she's kind of famous for her banana dance so there's like a lot of art banana dance she has banana she wears like do, a do, do. banana skirt thing but she no, also was not to be confused with carmen miranda no another fruit fruit, fruit babe yes i love the fruit babes yeah but she also was a spy during world war ii who wasn't i mean she she was just she had a really interesting life she adopted a lot of children from all different um countries and stuff and she called them her rainbow tribe she can sing she can dance she she can can be a spy she's amazing that is amazing. And then, uh, so the one I really wanted to talk about was, I'm reading this book right now about Millicent, Millicent Patrick. It's called um, The Lady from the Black Lagoon, and it's by Mallory O'Meara. Mallory O'Meara is um, um, a producer, mostly a producer of like genre horror movies, and she's this really cool girl with like blue hair and like real badass. And so she wrote this book about Millicent Patrick, who... Um, designed the Gilman creature from oh, the Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah. So she was the first, I think, I had it in my notes. And this she, is for listeners, like the, the creature from the Black Lagoon that's like trudging around, yeah, like carrying so the girl. The, and the universal, like, hor- classic yes. monster. Whatever one, you're picturing, that's it. It's the coolest. Even it's if probably you the yeah. coolest one. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I mean, the Bride of Frankenstein's my favorite monster, but um, it's probably the last monster movie that they really like classic monster movie that universal did because it was is she swimming in a lake yeah well, duh, it's a lagoon well, yeah, i do lagoon. remember this like yeah she's sw- and there's all these creepy um underwater footage of her swimming yeah yeah so yeah. so so the scary creature, um spoiler was t- no it's fine it's not a spoiler <laughs> at all she was the first woman to work in special effects for a movie studio and she she was the first um according to the author she was first and still the only woman to design a monster for a major film studio. She was also one of the first women animators um, at Disney. So she worked on uh, Fantasia. So um, women have... Shout out to Fantasia. Oh my God. That's a good movie. I I need to think more about Fantasia. That makes me happy. It's really great. I I mean, it's... it's I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so I'm only about a third of the way through the book, but I'm obsessed with it. I watched a whole like hour long... Uh, interview with Mallory O'Meara. She did a talk um, with the Kansas City Public Library, and she had all these really rare, really cool pictures of Millicent. And so Millicent was. Um, Is this nonfiction then? It's yeah, it's okay. nonfiction. I'm. But it's I'm not a memoir. Nonfiction. No, because she died a while back, and it was really hard to find information about her because she actually was erased. Her basically her name was erased from the project because at the time it's very unusual for women. Um, yeah. Well, at that, not only that, but at the time. 
you know, credits now are like, could be like 10 minutes long after a movie. They, they list everyone that does anything, which is awesome. They should. But back then, they only listed like the heads of the department. So Bud Westmore was the head of the makeup department at the time for the movie. And so he got the credit for it. They'd actually planned this whole tour where she was supposed to go around. It was like she was the beauty that created the beast. And then he found out about that and he wanted the credit for it. So they changed it to she was the beauty that lived with the monsters. Like she took care of them. Mm. Like she just hung out with all these masks. Ain't that like a woman. And so after that, she never worked on another movie, I think, again, for special effects or makeup or anything. But you know what's funny is she grew up basically at Hearst Castle. Her dad was um, like a... the the uh, engineer, building engineer and, like, um, superintendent of construction or something like that for Hearst Castle. That must have been quite lonely. I can't imagine little friends hanging around Hearst Castle. (laughs) She lived there for 10 years, and her family was really strict. She couldn't wear any, like, form-fitting clothes or makeup or anything, but then she ended up, once she got away from that environment, she was, like, a glamour girl. She was a model. She was all these things. So it's, like, all these pictures that you can find of her... She's like this beautiful, glamorous Ooh. lady with like making these monsters, which I'm is I'm intrigued. Really cool. I'm very intrigued to read this. And I like the author is really interesting. She, it was her first time writing a book, but she she wrote this amazing book and guess what? Her newest book is called Girly Drinks: A Woman's History of Drinking. Okay, I'm in. I haven't I'm read in. it yet, but I am obsessed with her right now. So Mallory O'Meara, she also has a podcast um called uh reading glasses which i haven't actually listened to yet but it's a literary podcast but she's awesome the way that she writes the book is very conversational has this been sponsored by danielle's book corner is that what we're calling this <laughs> oh is it just my book corner? no no it's, it's, it's our well it depends on who's talking okay. uh, yeah it's spark it's a sparkle it's a sparkle book room reading room i love it We're Ooh. working on it. It's a work in progress, guys. Shoot us ideas for uh, names of the our... Book uh, the book cocoon. The book cocoon. The cocoon. The cocoon. I want a grotto of some sort. I don't know. Reading grotto. A reading grotto. This is brought... Yeah. Well, we'll work on it. We'll work well, on we'll it. We'll get back to you. So, yes, that book is highly recommended. It's going to be in the show notes. I cannot wait to read it. That sounds amazing. I'm going to, I checked it out from the public library, but I think she has I'm gonna, it in her lap. I'm She's clutching it. it. I have like 12 notes in this already, and I'm like, I'm obsessed. I can't. Yeah. I don't want to keep going because I don't want the book to be over. It's yeah. that good. Yeah. Shall I contribute a book? Yes, please. Okay. So, I'm not going to go too in, de- in detail, but two books I've been reading, right, or just finished. One I just finished, one I'm reading. Um, Elvira, Cruelly Yours, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, her memoir. Um, It's an amazing book and details her journey from Groundlings, um, comedic wannabe actress, basically. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, she wanted to be, she didn't actually become Elvira till her early 30s, and she tried her whole basically young life to become a real comedic actress to be taken seriously wow. um, became Elvira and that's why she is so comedic and funny I highly recommend the audiobook for this reason great comedy great com- comedic timing um, she talks about becoming a showgirl in Vegas and dancing topless um, she talks about almost having sex with Elvis almost she talks about the pitfalls yeah almost so close and there's some real juicy 
horrific things about Tom Jones. So if you are a, oh yikes. if you love a Tom Jones, skip that whole thing, or else yeah, it's gonna not, leave a. I'm not a fan, really. A bad chest hair in your mouth. <laughs> um, and so, and then at the at the end, spoiler alert, she talks about being with her partner, uh, who's a woman, mm-hmm. for the past 17 years. So her being gay, like actually, I played a show in LA recently, and the crowd was very queer, and it was really cool, and. Um, I was just on stage and I just got this this feeling over me and I was just like Elvira's gay <laughs> and everybody started clapping. Celebrate. It just felt it just felt great considering how much um, abuse she has been through. Um, you'll read about that in the book. Um, but she comes out on top and now she's just living her best life. Yay. I love that. And then and I'm sure there's a first in there somewhere. I think she talked about being the first. Theme. Oh no, she was like the first woman. She had her own brewery for a while. She, I know she made sodas with. Um, she did a couple sort this out sellers for sure. She did a couple merchandising things that were very new for her time, and just like the way she sold herself was new. Um, but I don't know what the exact first would be. First late She's night movie be, yeah, first. host to uh, I don't know. Vampira, I think she modeled. Okay. Oh, Vampira. there's a lot of vampire Ooh, drama. Love, love, and then the other book is I'm reading Face It, uh, Debbie Harry's memoir of the band Blondie. And um, she talks Who a lot. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's some blonde chick. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading it right now. And I'm in the middle of it. And it's great because I just got back from New York. And she talks a lot about New York. And I think that's always fun when you read a memoir or something. And you can actually kind of picture things or pretend to imagine what things were like when mm-hmm. there were like punk rockers and hippies everywhere and rats everywhere and so um, I'm Me I'm in the <laughs> yeah I'm in the middle of that one right now, but it has a similar theme of women taking their sexuality, um, you know, into their own two hands and like using it in a way to like subvert that for the public consumption, That's really cool. and that they actually have more power on stage owning their sexuality than you would think. Mm-hmm. Perhaps in the past when we would just more be like, oh, she's just like showing her boobs, or you know the way we culturally dealt with that was so just not nuanced. Yeah. And now we can look back and be like, wow, Elvira was a boss bitch. Whoa. Like Debbie Harry, like definitely used her looks to propel her music forward. She knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. So those are my two uh, book recommendations this, um, this month. I just wanted to do that. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the Mr. Rogers show, but like for badass women. That's right. Okay, I gotta stop. Sorry. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that. Okay, thing. you know what would go even better with this non-alcoholic um, drink? Alcohol. <laughs> A Kirkland brand hard seltzer oh. from Costco. Oh, Costco! Ever hear of it? I wish I hadn't. Okay, so you told me that you have a Costco story, but we've been saving it for the pod. Uh, and I just came back from Costco because I am doing a Friendsgiving and I had to buy 101 things at Costco. And in my mind, I was thinking, I'll tell you more about that later. But yeah, please tell me your Costco story because I really am ready. I'm primed for it. I'm drinking Kirkland. Like, You're right like, on theme. I'm on it. Like, we love a theme. I know we talked about that. Regale me with your Costco. I mean, I, I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't like pump it up too much but basically okay i went to costco um we were shane and i went to costco to get our um booster shots or covid boosters 
And it was just the first place that popped up when he was looking for shots. And at the time, I was like, um, I'd rather not go and get them at Costco. I just feel like this is going to be bad news. And I was right. So we got there and, I mean, it was a really long wait, even though there weren't really many people there. And so while we were waiting, it's like this awkward space. It's like right in the middle of where people are walking. And of course, it's Costco. So there is a mask mandate going on here right now. But uh, people DGAF. So they're just like walking around. I'm so surprised. The store where everyone mills around with gigantic carts and goes five miles an hour with these gigantic carts would be annoying to get your shot. You were right. It was sad, though, too, because it was like a whole family with kids sitting there, like in the cart being pushed around, none of them wearing masks. So obviously they were wearing them when they came in and they took them off as they are wont to do. But there was that, but then we kept trying to like move around to different parts where we could still kind of hear if they would call us. But um, we got stuck to where there was this... Uh, older gentleman, I'm not going to call him a gentleman, there was an older guy on um, like a rascal, you know, like scooter or whatever. Yes. Um, with with the what Shane likes to call the plumber's mask. So like, the, you know, your nose is hanging out. Actually, he might have been doing the beard mask. I, he Maybe he wasn't wearing one basically at all. Keeping just, his beard warm. Well, he didn't have a beard, but you know, he wore it like underneath yes. where a beard, beard would be. And I warm. swear this man like kept going making laps around us so he'd go down the aisle he'd go down one aisle he'd come back around and so people were coming at us from all sides without masks (laughs) breathing on us and i was just like sitting there with my head in my hands like oh my god this is ridiculous and the guy like the guy there was only one person working there doing doing the actual vaccinations like there was only one guy doing it so we waited and waited and waited, and we were actually, like, on about to go take um, my stepdaughter Sadie out for uh, her birthday and, we're like, for dinner. And we're like, uh, we're going to be late. We need to get this show on the road. Um, and it just wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And then finally, like, my, my name got called. I went in there, and he's, like, reading all my paperwork, and he's like, oh, so you're getting the Pfizer. And I'm like, no, I'm getting Moderna. He's like, it says here Pfizer. And I'm like, no, I'm getting the Moderna because I got the Moderna last time. He's like, well, do you want the Pfizer? I'm like, no, I want the Moderna. <laughs> like, how many? He's like, oh, okay, well, I got to go change this because they did it wrong. So he had to, like, oh my God. He had to go put this, sti- he had to print out another sticker. So now my, like, vaccination card has two stickers on it, one over the other one. He gave me that, that but on, before he gave me the shot, he said, I like to start with alcohol. Of course he said that. Yes, yes. So, well, like, and of course I'm a girl, so I'm like, uh-huh, oh, it's funny, oh, whatever, like, hurry up, like, yeah, whatever, yeah. I just let him say it and be weird. And then, <laughs> after I was done, he, um, he kept calling, I think he was like, Steve, Steve? I think it was Steve. And Shane's like, Shane? And he looks down, he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. And I was like, you better make sure he gives you the right thing. Incompetence. Oh, I'm so worried. So when we left, we we're like, he's like, I think Shane's like, I think he just uh, gave me birth control or something. <laughs> and I'm like, he probably put me full of saline. I don't know. But it was not pleasant. And I would not recommend Costco for your shots. Um, but did you get to eat samples of 
delicious well, sausages Shane and things. Well, did, but I mean, I yeah. can. I, he actually brought me some hummus because that mean, was the one thing I could there's eat. There's literally one good thing about Costco, which is the samples, and everything else is horrifying. It's pretty and, terrible. And, and when you said you went there to get your shot, that's exactly what I imagined. I, I just really did not want to be there to begin with, so I was just like, I hate this. Why did I do this? Because I had to. I'm glad I got it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I got it. Maybe I didn't get it. My my arm hurt, but Shane got like re- like down for a whole day and a half. But I was fine. So get your boosters, but, friends. Yeah, when, don't get them at Costco. When you mentioned like the guy with the little scooter coming towards you and all the people, it's it sounded like a horror movie. It was comical, kind of, but I was also really annoyed. What's interesting is you're getting your shot, your booster shot at Costco. Like they're obviously a place that provides shots, so they should probably care about whether people wear masks i get it though i mean I, I get why they don't enforce it because you know stuff has happened people have been like killed over that kind of thing like asking someone to wear a mask so i totally get why they're scared probably to even bring it up or they probably don't actually care like because yeah who knows but I don't it know. might be one of those things where what was reed saying there's like a store i'm not sure what store it is maybe it's best buy i don't remember but basically, if somebody is stealing, the, the like if someone just leaves with a cart of stuff, the employees are um, basically trained not to do anything. Yeah, and that makes sense. Like it's almost like a hands-off thing where they just you never know what could happen. Can't so, deal with it. I mean, it's not really because like worth Home it. Depot, same situation. We went there recently, and yeah, there's like a lot of dudes with no masks on, and no one's doing anything about it. It's not it's being really weird. Yeah, but it is very hard to um to enforce that it is hard Mm -hmm. for sure just avoid places like that i think oh yeah so yeah today i was um yeah i i can't believe you did that (laughs) i won't i won't go there for anything but i had to go get my dog's antidepressants Mm, that's a pharmacy and there was a big clusterfuck by the pharmacy which may have been the booster people um (laughs) that i did see and i was like stupid people um but I was in line and I was listening to actually Surfboard's new album and they have a song called Killed by Food. Hmm. And as I was listening to this like super like kind of punk rock thrashy song about being killed by food, which is it's basically a take on like how food is sugary and, and oh, okay. filled with bullshit and mm-hmm. like you literally are eating poison. I think the, yeah. I think the entire song is just like everything is poison. I'm killed by food. <laughs> but I was like in line and I'm like, I should write a punk song about how much I hate Costco. That would be great. I would, I would love that. But then ironically, I'm going to buy my stepmom a Costco puzzle, like a jigsaw <laughs> puzzle. Cause she loves Costco. So I definitely have Costco lovers. And my dad is known to like wear Kirkland jeans, Kirkland shirt, Oh, honey, did you see my new patio furniture? It's Kirkland. Oh my god! It's Kirkland. It's Kirkland. Well, and then you know if you make so. that if you make that song, you're gonna have to make the music yep. video yep. at Costco. Yep, yep. <laughs> but I think Costco is a good stand-in for any big box store that you totally. feel overwhelmed in. Totally. I feel so overwhelmed. I know it sounds so like snowflakey, but like I don't like the lights. I don't like all the people. I don't like the milling about. I don't like the chaos. No. I don't like the the shuffling i don't like the cankles i don't like any of it <laughs> the and i hate to say that but you People know can have their cankles it's yeah right. it's fine i can have cankles just not cankles in your in your soul yeah they have soul cankles soul cankles soul cankles <laughs> there's no definition between the the heart and the mind i was we were just in cambria um a couple couple of days ago picking up some estate sale stuff i think for for shane and going to uh, get some antiques and stuff and we saw these deer pop out, and any day, any day that I see deer, 
like it's a good day I I, I obsess <laughs> I, I we had to stop I had to take a video and I'm like oh babies I love you every time I see a deer I have to say I love you this um, sounds like a viral video it's, like it's so, I could I totally video, it's like I the, this it is like you. the double maybe I'll post the video you saying a deer Instagram. and being happy it sounds like the double rainbow and, guy well yeah. if you don't know Cambria is like a seaside town that I really like. It's really pretty. It's where the pines meet the sea. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's pronounced Cambria. It's close. <laughs> it's close to Hearst Castle. But um, so, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So I was sitting there like I could totally live here. There's deer. There's the ocean. There's no box stores. But there's big, a big big box stores. But everyone is white. That's true. And if there's a fire, you're fucked because there's only one way in. I will in. never live there. I'm just thinking. like only, I could live somewhere like that. Yeah, there's only one way in and one way out. And I, so. I just near, need the ocean and some deer and some sea otters right. and my cats. and yeah. 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 But no big box stores. No, it's rough. It's rough out there, people. And we're getting into holiday season. So, um, yeah, shop local. Shop small. Go yes. on Etsy. Go support, support my friend Venus and Vintage, who does uh, an Etsy shop. Um, go support um, Shane, who has his Etsy shop. Um, he has eBay. I'm sorry, eBay. Poor man's, Poor man's Tahiti. Tahiti. Well, his eBay is grease ball, but um, yeah, Poor Man's Tahiti on Instagram. He posts all his stuff on Yeah, YouTube. support. Just support small and avoid all that annoyingness. If you can. I know sometimes it's it's hard to be able to afford that but if you can please yeah. do that yeah well do we a- have, did we want to talk about anything that else that we've been doing lately i don't know well like what danielle oh well you mentioned <laughs> fall did you want to talk about your fall recipes no no i spent all day like prepping food for this friend friend you don't want giving feast food. and um yeah, got in a, a little over my head. Don't know how to. Don't really know how to cook a turkey. So <laughs> I'm it's just. It's an adventure. It is an adventure. It's You're a, gonna do great. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um. But yeah. I can't wait to not. Maybe eat, next eat your episode. <laughs> if there's yeah, if there's you can just look at it. Next episode, perhaps. Um, because we'll be going into Thanksgiving too. Yeah, maybe that's a good, possibly. Well, no. I think it'll be after Christmas. Yeah. Holidays. Holidays. Um, Cozy cooking. Yeah, but um, I've been cooking quite a bit, and it's been. It's been nice. Ooh, I do have like a food-ish thing to say though. Yes. Because we did go to Oakland for a Friendsgiving yes. uh, a couple weekends ago. And so our friends Elias and Jess had us over for this outdoor Friendsgiving with like 30 some people, which is, I'm glad it was outdoors because there were a lot of people. But she made all these, um, all these dishes and she made a bunch of vegan stuff too because Elias is a lifelong vegetarian. He's never had meat. He was born vegetarian. If there should be a word for that. He's a unicorn. I gold, don't know. He's a gold he's star. He's a veggie unicorn. Yeah. Vegicorn. I just wanted to highlight two of the greatest things that happened um, on that trip. The first one was the field roast, hazelnut and cranberry roast that she made. Mm. It's like a frozen one. It's the best roast I've ever had in my life. And it had a rosemary and candied ginger. It was it was like a, one of those giant chipotle like yeah. sausages. You're going to have to put the recipe. In a, in a pastry You're going to have to put a link to this thing. Yeah, it's so good. It blew my mind. It was delicious. And it was nice because there were only like two vegans there and then Elias. And they were about to make a bunch of other Thanksgiving food. So she sent me home with like all of the things. So thanks, Jess. If nice. If you're listening, probably not. But if you are. And then the other, my other favorite thing that happened was I saw a squirrel with a giant walnut in their yard leap through and run on barbed wire 
and it was the most like badass squirrel I've ever seen. It was like had a whole nut and it's walnut in its mouth and it was just running on this barbed wire wow. like that that squirrel earned that nut it was delightful be that squirrel yeah that was be that, that was oakland a lot of other stuff happened but those were my two highlights yeah in this in this world be that squirrel <laughs> grab the whole nut run on that barbed wire hightail out of it barbed wire is treacherous be a boss yeah be the squirrel with the nut on the barbed wire Whatever that means to you. That should be a shirt. (laughs) Everyone will be like, what? That's very specific. That's very convoluted, which is pretty much what this podcast is. So it's on brand. It's a collage. It's a collage of words. It's on brand. Words and and sounds. Yes. Well, as usual, it's been lovely chatting with you. Indeed it has. Will you allow me to play us out? Oh, please do. I'm only playing with one hand now because I have a drink in the other hand. Sparkle and Destroy podcast is produced by Haley Crusher Kane and Danielle the Mer Crusher Bagnall, edited by myself, Haley, and brought to you with help from Stepcats Productions. Filmed in front of a live audience. Stalk us on Instagram. You can follow me, Haley, at Haley and the Crushers. You can find Danielle at Ahoy Miss. And follow the Stepcats at Stepcats Official on Instagram. If you want to reach the podcast, we are at sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. And until next time, sparkle and destroy. <laughs> <laughs>